Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to yet another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Matt Miguez here. I am the Louisiana writer for Underdog, joined by Brian Stone, our Georgia Southern writer. Brian, you know, we talk about this every week, man. We are 26 days away from kickoff. I know, man. It's unbelievable. I can't can't fathom that we're this close, but... You know, we also say this every single week. So after a while, it's kind of going to lose uh, meaning if we just keep going back keep to going well over and over and over. Right? Can I do? I, I, we talked about this before we started recording. Can I do a little housekeeping? Yeah, uh, from the last episode. Okay, so by the time people hear the Georgia this episode, the Georgia Southern episode will have already come out. We couldn't get it uploaded last week due to technical issues, but we've got we've gotten those ironed out. And it should be posted by the time this one is. Uh, I just wanted to add on to that because we recorded that one on the third. uh, That now that Justin Tomlin is also suspended for the first or is suspended for the first two games due to being academically ineligible, I am kind of lowering my projections on them even a little bit more because I could see them winning the Gardner Webb game with a somebody else playing quarterback. Not sure who that's going to be at this point. However, when you go play FAU, I've got to kind of adjust what I think that that game looks like. So, I mean, unless someone, whoever gets plays quarterback, whether it be one of the two freshmen or they even convert James Graham back from receiver to quarterback for a few games and then move him back over when Tomlin comes back. I, I just, I have to like temper expectations a little bit because the quarterback position is in such a state of flux. Like we don't even know who's going to start. So yeah, just wanted to just wanted to give that take like off the top. That that's definitely a blow that Chad Lunsford did not want. Um, but I mean, we talked about this before we started recording. Sorry to keep saying that, but like this happens with Georgia year. Southern almost every single yep. year. You know, two years ago, you could chalk the Shywerts bird poop thing up to just being ridiculous, and it wasn't anything but then last year you know wesley kennedy was suspended for the first couple games of the season so this has kind of just become a pattern at this point yeah and and you know i i use the the time the timeless phrase kids will be kids you know it's just it's just what it is um hopefully the young man learns a lesson from it and comes back quickly enough to be able to help his football team but you know enough about about Georgia Southern. We have a whole episode about them that's going to get posted this week. Let's talk about their in-state, quote-unquote, rival. And that is, of course, the Panthers of Georgia State. We're going to start with them tonight. It's a two-team episode tonight. But talking about the Panthers, you know, last year, Brian, was an interesting year in Atlanta because 
in my opinion at least, Georgia State went in with low expectations and kind of overperformed on them. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, the one thing that's kind of been the staple of Georgia State, at least for as long as I've kept up with them, no matter who the head coach has been, is just inconsistency. I mean, that's been the one thing that has always held you know, me back when I'm looking at projecting them out for the next year is there's going to be a game where they probably shouldn't be in it and they keep it close or even, you know, pull an upset. And then there's going to be a game later in the season where you look at them and say, well, they should cake, you know, dog walk this team. And then it's just like, no one knows what's going on. So, you know, I, I do think that they, they did end the season strong last year. They won four of their last five, including the Lending Tree Bowl against Western Kentucky. So maybe, you know, you build off that momentum and, and carry that into this season. Yeah, you know, and, and the biggest story last year was was Cornelius Brown the fourth, a.k.a. Quad Brown, uh, at, at quarterback, the freshman from Birmingham, you know, 6'5", 200 pounds, your typical quarterback build. And you, if you look at a stat line from his freshman year, completed about 59% of his passes, 2,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, had a QBR of just above 133, also ran for 400 yards and seven touchdowns. He's back, you know, obviously again on Georgia State's Website it has him listed as a redshirt sophomore, but due to due to COVID eligibility, I believe he'd be a redshirt freshman again. I, I think we talked about this last year. Wouldn't he be eligible technically for up to like six years? Yeah, with with the the redshirt rule that kicked in about playing less than four, four games, games, the COVID season that's two years there. Uh, on account on a top of the four that he's already going to play, presumably, so he could be in this conference for the better part of a which decade. Is, which is scary to me because <laughs> he had a hell of a year last year. For yeah, a, he uh, took he took some major strides, and they you know have finally found their guy after Dan Ellington left. So you know if if he keeps up that mo- forward momentum, I mean the sky's potentially the limit for him. Yeah, no question about it. We look at their season from last year, 6-4 and four on the year. Um, game number one against Louisiana, you know, this game was kind of a emotional letdown, if you will, for the Cajuns coming off of their historic win over Iowa State. And Georgia State took advantage of that for a long time. Um, at one point, Georgia State was up 21-7 to in the third quarter. Uh, before the Cajuns made a miraculous comeback winning it in overtime. And then, you know, you kind of got a, a string a string of games together where Georgia State looked like they could contend for the Sun Belt Championship before that ended up being Coastal Carolina's spot in the um from the east, excuse me. What what impressed you about Georgia State last year? And uh, just kind of talk about their 2020 season. I mean, the strides of their offense made definitely, you know, surprised me the most. And, and that was what I 
you know, I knew that their offense was going to be their strength because I mean, we can get, we'll get into it, you know, as we kind of go along, but their defense never really gelled, I guess would be the word. I mean, they were fine, but the offense, you know, 33.3 points per game, uh, and you know, were explosive and were keeping up in, you know, a lot of these shootout games, you know, you even look at the game, they lost to Arkansas state, you know, week four, 59, 52, We'll talk about Arkansas State later in this episode, but if their defense shows up at any point, I mean, they they are a eight nine win team. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, if you look at their schedule last year in in games where it seemed like their defense failed, them, Arkansas State's definitely on that list. Uh, if their defense shows up, they probably beat App. Yeah, I mean, the one game that they they were not in Wisconsin. Right. But every other game, I mean, I'm looking at it here. It's like, you know, the losses. Okay. Louisiana, three points, uh, Arkansas state, seven points app, four points. I mean, those are all one possession games. Your defense shows up. You're winning at least one of those, if not two. Well, I think their defense showed up in the app game. I mean, the final score of that one was 17 to 13. So, I mean, that was the one where their offense kind of was lagging compared to the defense. But, you know, like you said, you get one more stop against Louisiana, that's an upset win. You get one stop against Arkansas State, that's two wins right there. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, an app, you score you, – you have to score another. You can't just score 13 points and expect to beat – a team as good as app typically is in Boone. So, I, I mean, it, I think that they made a lot of really good strides last year, um, especially offensively. I think the key for them this year, and not to kind of step on our preview for this year, but if their defense makes gets any better whatsoever, I mean, I think this is going to be a dangerous team to play. Yeah, you know, no question about it. Talking about their defense, they do return – eight starters from last season, which could provide, you know, that veteran experience, veteran leadership for their defense. But before we dive deeper into that defense, one person on their offense that I really want to highlight is junior running back Dustin Coates. He's coming mm-hmm. he's coming back after an eight hundred yard year last year, seven touchdowns, averaged nearly five yards a carry. It seemed to me, and obviously this is an outside observer. I don't watch every Georgia State game, you know, blah, blah, blah. But from what I could tell last year, it seemed like if Georgia State's offensive line was just a hair better, Destin Coates is a 1,000-yard rusher. Yeah, I mean, I think that their offensive line definitely – I mean, they get another year to kind of gel and and come together. But, you know, you talked about being a thousand yard rusher. I mean, this team on the ground only averaged 4.3 yards per carry. And you have to chalk some of that up to the offensive line play. But, you know, it was a it was kind of a growing year for this team. You know, you've got a really young quarterback coming in, uh, you know, taking over the helm and and you know, trying to guide this team to wins. I mean, obviously the offense, you know, they, they didn't have trouble scoring points, but as far as, you know, explosive plays on the ground go, they could definitely improve there. And I, I think the other place that they really need to improve is uh, limiting the amount of turnovers that they have on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they turned the ball over uh, 20 times last year. So if you cut down some of those turnovers, 
you run the ball a little more effectively and you play a little bit of defense, I mean, there's a recipe for success. Yeah, no question about it. They were only plus one in the turnover margin last season. You know, going going down the depth chart, we'll talk about wide receivers now. Terrence Dixon, Sam Pickney, Cornelius McCoy, uh, Roger Carter at tight end. I mean, this is just a stacked group of weapons for Cornelius Brown. What what I want to ask you, you know, you, you see Georgia State a little more than I do, being you cover Georgia Southern, but what what would you say is if you're hypothetically, if you're Sean Elliott, who are you leaning on in that receiving core to really make a difference for you next year? I mean, I think it's got to be Pinkney. Uh, you know, you just look at it from a statistical perspective last year. You know, he led the team in catches, 47 catches for 815 yards, seven touchdowns, also led the team in touchdown catches. Averaged 17.3 yards per catch. I mean, he's obviously a big play threat. He's obviously, you know, going to be the big, the the boon essentially for uh, Quad Brown in this offense. I mean, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier. If if Quad Brown cuts down on the amount of interceptions he throws and instead, you know, hits this talented receiver group, you know, I, I mean, I think we're looking at a team that is going to give a lot of teams in the uh, in the Sun Belt headaches this season. Yeah, you know, we. We talked about receivers, and obviously you brought up Sam Pickney, who's leading receiver, leading touchdown catcher. One guy that I'm really interested to see step up for them is uh, is Terrence Dixon. You know, only 21 catches last year for 226 yards, no touchdowns. But I think he can be kind of a sleeper pick almost to really step into that, to one of those leadership roles in that wide receiver core and be a target for Cornelius Brown and really make a difference in this offense. So that'll be interesting to see. You know, Brian, let's look let's look at the defense now for Georgia State. Not great last year like we were like we were just talking about. They gave up, let's see, what's the um, I lost my they gave up, uh, according to my rec, 31.7 yeah, 30, points per game. Nearly nearly 32 points a game. Obviously, in the Sun Belt, when if you're get, if you're scoring thirty to thirty five points a game like their offense was last year, but you're giving up thirty one, you're going to put yourself in a lot of situations like they were in last year, close losses, you know, last minute of the game, maybe even overtime. Mm-hmm. How, how do you how do you fix that coming into the season? Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I think it's gonna be a bit of a task uh, to do because when you look at the players they lost, you know, they lost Trajan Stevens McQueen at linebacker. Uh, you lose Jordan Strahan Straken uh, from last year's team, nine and a half sacks last year. So you're kind of gonna have to cobble together a pass rush. And you know, from the vibe that I got, Stevens McQueen was kind of the leader of that defense. You know. Uh, Obviously, they struggled last year, but you never want to lose the guy that's, you know, kind of holding the unit together. But, you know, they, they return, you know, nine starters on the defensive side of the ball. So I think you just kind of have to hope that that continuity pays off and, and that, you know, you find someone who can step up and rush the passer, but also be kind of the leader for the entire defense. Um, 
you know, Georgia State led the Sun Belt in sacks last year with 35. So, I'm, I mean, they're going to have to continue to get after the passer if they're going to have trouble, you know, stopping opposing offenses. Yeah, you, you do get Blake Carroll back at weak side linebacker. Uh, 74 tackles last year. He, he was Georgia State's leading tackler. You also get back Antavius Lane in, in your secondary redshirt freshman safety. So cornerback, cornerback Quavian White too yeah, as well. You, you get White back as well. John Trey Hunter on the outside. So you you have pieces from last season that can make a difference for you and provide that veteran leadership. But again, you have to find a way to create stops for your offense. Well, the the weird thing here that I'm reading, they have they were really good in a lot of like stats that typically point towards a successful defense. And then you just look at the points given up and it doesn't add up. You know, like I said, first in Sunbelt and sacks, they were second in the conference in third down defense and second in the conference against the run. Now, when I tell you that, would you tell me that that defense, if I told you all those stats in a vacuum and didn't tell you what team they belong to, would you guess that they had given up 31 points per game? No. Okay, so that's what's weird is like you read off all these stats and you're like, well, we were we checked all these boxes, but then we gave up 32 points per game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I, I, I don't know. I, you, what is my question to you, Matt? What's the what's the missing ingredient here? You know, that that's a hard one because, you know, like you said, they, they led the conference in sacks last year. They're returning eight of their starters. I mean, on paper, the pieces, the pieces are there to be a successful defense. But it was the same story last year. Mm hmm. Like I said, you returned eight guys that started last year for you. So it, it's one of those things where individually, yes, there's talent and, you know, there's potential. But can the coaching staff get those 11 starters to come together and play as one cohesive unit? That's going to be the big question. Yeah, and I mean, they, I mean, to my recollection, haven't really figured it out yet. So if they can, great. And- and you know, looking looking at their schedule, game number one is not going to be an easy one to try and get it together as they play Army West Point. That's going to be one of the toughest games to prepare for all season yeah, because absolutely, even if you prepare for like let's say they do their prep that they typically do the week they play Georgia Southern, it's even different than yep. that. Like the wishbone you know, whatever, right. what kind of wishbone wing T concepts are so much different than even what Georgia Southern does with yeah. their shotgun in, any, option. In, any option is ridiculously difficult to prepare for, but like you brought up the wing T that, that army likes to run. Yeah. I, you just, there, there's almost no way to, uh, to prepare for that. And, you know, since we brought up the army game, we'll go ahead and dissect their schedule. The week after that, it doesn't get any easier as they go to North Carolina. Well, I, I think the one thing that you have to hope is uh, 
maybe Sam Howell um, as the flu that week. Right. Um, because you're playing a legitimate Heisman contender. For sure. Um, the, I think, no, but honestly, I think the one thing that you have to hope is that they haven't properly replaced the guys they lost to the draft with yep. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Daz Newsome, Dynami Brown, all those guys gone now. I think the one hope is that you get out there and A, your defense has improved, uh, but B, Sam Howell has no one to throw to and they haven't properly replaced the running backs. I don't know that that's the case, but that's what you have to hope happens. Yeah, you know, you brought up Sam Howell being a legit Heisman candidate. I mean, he's the second best quarterback in the country. In, in my opinion, behind behind Spencer Rattler. Yeah. I don't, I don't see I don't see a better quarterback in college football right now than uh No, than, it's pretty much a two two man race as far as, you know, Power 5 national quarterback yeah. play goes. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the next week they they come back home to uh to host Charlotte, which Charlotte is a very, very solid CUSA team. Um, you know, in, they they really gave App State a run for their money last year, at least in the first half, first three quarters. So, but that that's a game that I could see Georgia State finally starting to get it together, finally starting to figure out where they belong as a team, and they're going to have to do it in a hurry because that last week in September, week four. They're going to the plains of Auburn. Yeah, whoever made their schedule for this season, I guess it would be fall upon the AD. Did not do them any favors to start the season. <laughs> and, and and Auburn, Auburn's down right now, uh, especially with a new head coach and Brian Harson. But I mean, it's still. It's still Auburn. Yeah, you still have to take into account the level of recruiting right. that Auburn it's, does on it's a yearly still basis. Auburn. I think in that one, you just have to hope that Bo Nix can't hit the side of the barn, which I've seen him which, do. Which I was about to say, he, he struggled very much last year, so maybe <laughs> maybe it's just a continuation. Maybe he just, yeah, maybe he's just throwing the ball where there is no one. Right, and, right. You know, he looks like he did last year against South Carolina. And, you know, one thing that's interesting looking at their schedule, it's a, it's about, it's a back and forth every week. Home, away, home, away, home, away. So they traveled to Auburn. The next week they're back home in Atlanta to host App State. Now that game, that game is a game to open conference that I th- think could be one of the best conference games of the year. Potentially, yeah. I mean, the, the, when we were looking at, the more I look at their schedule, I think it's weird that they didn't try. And maybe this wasn't doable, but they didn't try to space out their Power Five games at all. Or, or, you know, the out-of-conference stuff. So it's like three of the first four weeks you play Army, North Carolina, and Auburn, and then you come back with a top three Sunbelt team to open the play. I mean, you could potentially be looking at – I don't know what Charlotte's looking like this year because I don't keep up with them, but let's say that Charlotte upsets them. I mean, they could open the season 0-5 and and still be a fairly good team, but it's like the scheduling – didn't yeah, do them the any favors. Didn't do them any favors. But after app, you know, can I make the joke that they get two bye weeks? Or, or is that not appropriate? I don't, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be entirely wrong. That, I don't think that's appropriate. They go to Monroe <laughs> after after App State. You know, I no, think if Noah, they struggle early, that's the get right game. Noah, I mean, no offense to Monroe, but, but that's definitely the get right game. Um, yeah, that's definitely the game to figure out. 
take what's not working and make it work, basically. And then you get the bye week after the ULM game. And then you have Texas State, which is another get-right game if you haven't gotten right already at this point. And then you have the big one in in Statesboro. You go play Georgia Southern. You know, Brian, I'm going to ask you as, as a Georgia Southern guy, is this a rivalry? How, how important is this series to, like, a Georgia Southern fan? Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of in the minority here. Um, a lot of Georgia Southern fans do look at this as, like, a very intense, like, in-state rivalry. I do not because I don't have any strong feelings towards Georgia State one way or the other, to be totally honest. Um, to me, this rivalry was pretty forced uh, when our former AD sat down with Georgia State's AD and made this weird rivalry trophy that had a point system with like student GPAs attached to it, depending on yeah, what and it was hell? like over it was multiple sport over multiple sports, and it was a point system, and it was like you if you won the game, you didn't get the trophy because then you had to wait until basketball season and waited for them to play there, and like it, it was just so it was it was a multi sport trophy that also tied in students GPA I'm fairly sure it did That's it was so something interesting cr- it was definitely a multi-sport but I don't remember a hundred percent if the GPA thing was included that, however so me saying me saying that I I'm sorry like app is our rival I don't right. really feel strongly one way or the other about Georgia State like I don't hate them like I'm just like for me this is another game on the Sun Belt schedule. Right, right. Is, and, is how I've always felt about it. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's fair. It, it's similar to, to me when ULM gets brought up. It, it's a forced-upon rivalry, and in some senses of the word, sure, you know, we're, we're three hours apart, we're in-state. Call it a rivalry if you want. But I look at, right now, I look at App or even Arkansas State as more of a rival than ULM. Yeah, I mean, our second biggest rival we left behind in FCS, in my mind, which was Furman. Right. So, I mean, I guess they wanted to fill that role, but I've I've been in the stadium when we've played Georgia State. I've been in the stadium when we played Furman. I have not heard more vitriol spit, spat at Georgia State's players and right. coaches and all that stuff than I have Furman in my time well, going to both know, of these games. You know, the Cajuns have a connection to Furman. Really? Bill, Billy Napier played quarterback at Furman in the 90s. Hmm. Uh, he, he, was actually, he was actually the quarterback that lost Furman the game in what App State calls the miracle on the mountain. So, you know... Cajun, Cajun lure there for you. So can I can I just go back to the well talking about their schedule just really quick? Yeah. So, the, man, when I tell you the schedule makers didn't do them any favors, I definitely mean it. So coming off of, let's say, we're handing them wins against Texas State and UL Monroe, okay. Georgia Southern, let's say at this point, Georgia State's a more talented team and has a more experienced quarterback. I don't think anybody would argue that. Um Okay, but coming off of that, then you play Louisiana and Coastal back-to-back. So hypothetically, let's say they win Charlotte's game, the game against Charlotte, UL Monroe, Texas State, and Georgia Southern. Okay, you have four wins. So they're four and four. 
Right. But then you drop the games to UL Monroe or uh, sorry, not UL Monroe, Lafayette, yeah, don't, don't you do that, Louisiana, and then Coastal. Yeah, so you're four and six. And then if you don't split the last two games of the year against Arkansas State and Troy, then you're below. You're six and six. Yeah. If you split either one of them, you're below five hundred. Yeah. Which I yeah. think is just unfortunate. I mean, it's, I, th- it's I do ve- think it's that very Jordan- unfortunate. I think Georgia State's a good team. I think they just got a really tough schedule this year. Yeah, and and you know sometimes it happens that way. Um, so you know Army, North Carolina, Auburn, App. They might want to try very hard to win one of those games. And <laughs> I mean, and I'm I know sure, I know that I'm sounds sure I know that sounds like a dumb statement, and I, I understand that the second I said it, I was like, why did I say that? But I mean it. it it's true. If you want to have what people are calling or what people will call a successful season, you're either going to need to win one of those four or you need to beat either Louisiana or App. I mean, Louisiana or Coastal. I I say this. I have a hard time on paper seeing this team finish with a better record than what they had last year. Yeah. And, it, and it's not like a slight to them, but they're going to need to pull some upsets that right now I don't see them doing. on the board. Right. For yeah. Sure. For sure. Um, so that that about wraps up Georgia State. I mean, un- unless there w- there was something else you felt we need to touch on. Obviously, Sean Elliott is coming into year number five. It's a sixth year <coughs> overall. He he was an interim at South Carolina before taking over at Georgia State. So, w- if we're talking record, you think six and six? Yeah, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say they win. The games against Charlotte, UL Monroe, Texas State. I'll give them the win over Georgia Southern just because they have the better quarterback, and that's the the decider for me. Hmm. Well, six and, and six. I mean, but in a bowl game, more than more but, than likely. But that, but that's what I mean. Is like the last two games of the season, the Troy and Arkansas State games. If you slip up one of those games, you're, you're not out even, of a bowl. Right. You're not even making a bowl game. Yeah, so that it'll be it'll or be you're gonna have to upset one of those really good Sunday teams. Right, right. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting year in Atlanta for sure. Let's go from Atlanta, Georgia to Jonesboro, Arkansas now, and we'll talk about the Arkansas State Red Wolves. 4 and 7 last year. I mean, that's about all I can say, 4 and 7. They lost to Memphis Coastal App State, Troy, Louisiana, Texas State, and South Alabama. You know, the, those last two are the ones that are, are really kind of head-scratching if you're if you're anybody in Jonesboro, Arkansas. You know, let, let's talk about the 2020 season. What were your thoughts? And, you know, were, were there games, in your opinion, where they were close to changing the fortune of the year? Uh, somewhat, uh, I, I think the thing 
with how their season ended, you know, you look at it at one point until they beat UL Monroe uh, in their final game of the season, they had lost five in a row to that point. And a couple of them were close, but then they had blowout losses to app. They had a blowout loss to Troy. Uh, They lost to South Alabama and Texas state, neither of which are world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Blake Anderson moved on to a new job coaching at Utah State after the year was over. So, I I mean, you never want to think this, but do you think at all that he kind of had his eye elsewhere as the season was kind of wrapping up and was ready to get out of town? Yeah, I mean, and and you never you never want to say that, but I I agree with you that that's one hundred percent. I think what happened, you know, he he saw the the downfall of this program and saw that it really wasn't going anywhere and found a better opportunity in Utah. I mean, you can't blame the guy uh, for, for no. wanting, wanting to advance his career, but he, if, if I'm honest, looking at now hindsight, looking at who Arkansas State's replaced Blake Anderson with, I think Arkansas State got the better end of the deal. Well, I... I thought it was a weird move career-wise for Anderson regardless, but like you said, maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Um, I feel like he left a year or two too late. Yeah. And I think he should kind of provide a cautionary tale for the, I hate to say it, Billy Napier's, the Jamie Chadwell's of the world of don't hold on for some dream job that may never come. You know, you're not going to get a job coaching USC or Texas or Florida or Miami or one of these giant programs. Sometimes you just kind of got to, like, take the next step and stop, not hold out for some crazy promotion that probably isn't in the cards. Hey, our, our guys going SEC is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to ask what. SEC team you might be going to because there's a big well, difference between well, Vanderbilt right. and right, but I mean SEC is SEC. But anyways, let's well, like I said, Vanderbilt chews up coaches every, about every three years, so I wouldn't say like You're <laughs> it's right. all equal. Right. That's, that's, a, that's a fair point. So let, let's talk about Arkansas State, and obviously we'll begin with the quarterback position. You know, they have. Lane Hatcher now now that Logan Bonner has transferred, Lane Hatcher is their guy, which I think is the right move. Um, Alabama transfer. Can I, can I do this really quick? Go ahead. Is he the guy? Because we did this last year with two quarterbacks, and they get James Blackman transferring from Florida State. So is Butch Jones going to do the switching them out every other series thing that he, that, that Blake Anderson did or no? God, I hope not. Because that was, it was disaster. It's disastrous because here's the thing. A, a quarterback is the one position that you have to find a rhythm. A kid can't find a rhythm playing every other series. Yes. It's not going to happen. I remember, I remember Billy Napier's first year at Louisiana. We had uh, we had Levi Lewis. He was a Levi was a sophomore, and we had a kid named Andre Nunez. Both very talented. Both knew the offense very well. Leadership capability. You know everything you want in a quarterback, right? 
So the way Billy did, ran it the first year was Andre was the starter, and Levi would come in every fourth series. Georgia Southern has done that too. Every fourth series, Levi would come in. Yeah. And it just never made sense to me. Well, when we had Willie Fritz as the head coach, we, the year we won the Sun Belt, we did the exact same thing. We had Kevin Ellison start and every third series, we had Fabian Upshaw come in and replace him. Yeah. That just makes, it makes no sense to me, man. Well, I feel like it's a little different in our offense. I feel like it was almost like rotating out a running back to keep them from getting too banged up. But when you have guys that are like pure passers, like I personally, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think Lane Hatcher is probably the most talented pure passer in the conference. Yeah. Like 100%. He doesn't offer much from like a dual threat perspective, the way that like a Grayson McCall would. But as far as just the arm goes, I would take him throwing the football over probably any other quarterback in the conference. Yeah, I mean, no, no quite. Look, look at his stats last year. Completed nearly 60% of his passes, 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, two interceptions. Had a QBR of 179.2. And that was in split snaps. And Blake Anderson still looked at that and went, nah. let's see what Logan's got. Right. Which, I mean, <laughs> if you look at Logan Bonner's stats last year, Again, 60% of his passes, 1,800 yards, 18 touchdowns, six picks. So really, the only difference was that Bonner turned the ball over four more times. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, my my thing is this, and and obviously I'm not a football coach. I don't don't understand how how it works. But if I'm a coach, here's here's what I'm thinking. I've got a kid that played for Nick Saban. Mm Mm-hmm. For a year, however long Lane Hatcher was at Alabama, yeah, Nick Saban was, saw Nick Saban saw enough. enough in the kid to recruit him. Right, right. He, he was good enough to get a, to go to Alabama. At he some decides point. he decides to bring his talent to Jonesboro, Arkansas, and in split snaps, completes sixty percent of his passes for two thousand yards, nineteen touchdowns, and only two interceptions. If I'm a football coach, that dude can do whatever he wants in my offense. And, you know, maybe maybe this comes down to us not being, like, in the, the Arkansas State, like, hive mind where we're, like, constantly plugged in to all the decisions that were made last year. Maybe there was something more to it that someone – listen, tweet at one of us. If you God, have, I hope so because otherwise it doesn't make sense to me. If you have, if you are an Arkansas State fan out there and you have a reason why this happened, why they didn't just stick with one guy versus the other, even if they went with Bonner full time, it would have made more sense. Yeah, you know, it, but but to for do sure. this like two quarterback system was so strange yeah, for makes, us. It makes no sense. Down. It makes no so sense. So if, if any Arkansas State fans out there have like an inside track on what Blake Anderson was doing last year tweet at us please let us know so lane lane hatcher seems to be the guy um you know i'll be totally honest i forgot about james blackman transferring to to jonesboro so that's actually kind of interesting to think about here with three weeks left until the season i have to imagine just really quick that he has like ptsd from playing at florida state because oh yeah there were games where they like weren't even trying to protect him Oh like God! He was, right, he was just getting crushed. <laughs> yeah, he he had a he had a rough time at, in Tallahassee, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, looking looking at running backs now, you return 
three of your top five rushers from last year, which, you know, from Arkansas State doesn't really run the ball a whole lot. Your your leading rusher last year, Jamal Jones, 602 yards, three touchdowns, average four yards a carry. Uh, Lincoln Paré comes back. Marcel Murray comes back. Marcel Murray has has been your guy for the last two or three years. Um, dealt with the injury bug last year. Only I think he only played like three or four games last season. Uh, Isaiah Azabuke is a guy that he's a sophomore that that they think highly of that can that'll do some good things for them this year. But again, you know Arkansas State's a passing offense. You look at receivers. I mean, last year you had Jonathan Adams who kind of followed in the footsteps of Omar Bayless and just had another outstanding year, 79 catches, 1,111 yards, 12 touchdowns. He averaged 14 yards a reception. Uh, Dahu Green was another great receiver, 500 yards, five touchdowns. Brandon Bowling was a guy that they loved last year, kind of a Julian Edelman type. He's, <laughs> he's no longer with the program. He's moved on. Corey Rucker was a freshman last year. 453 yards, averaged 28.3 yards a catch. So he's definitely a deep threat option for, for Lane Hatcher. Looking at looking at this depth chart from a receiver's perspective, and I didn't even talk about tight end. I mean, Reed Tyler is, is a junior that I know will do good things for Arkansas State. But again, if you're Lane Hatcher, you have to be licking your chops at this receiving court. This might be the best receiving room in the Sun Belt. I think I'd take apps just just because. Well, I said might be one of. <laughs> I mean, app. I said might be just, one of. Is just more experienced, right? Which is why. I, but can I just point out? Like, I know we're talking about the passing game, and we we glossed over the running game, and and for good reason. Can I just point out that what something weird about Blake Anderson's offense? And we'll see if Butch Jones decides to go with a more balanced approach and maybe try to run the ball just a tad more. There didn't they didn't even use their running backs in the passing game, which is strange to me because their leading pass catcher at the running back position was Jamal Jones, and he had 16 receptions all year for less than 100 yards. Yeah, so like, why? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, my question. I mean, that's... If he's gonna line up back there, and you're not gonna give him a ton of carries, you, why don't you just like use him as a checkdown option instead of just not throwing the ball to the running back position? Yeah, you know there there was a lot of things weird with the way that this offense was ran last year, and again, you know, you bring up Arkansas State being a passing offense, you would think that running backs would be more incorporated as receivers. I mean, unless you're just running five wide sets all the time. Which, again, I'm not a football coach. However, five wide sets every play doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. No. Uh, but, I mean, that that's the weird thing is, like, if you look around college football and you look at the most pass-heavy offenses that are out there, like – Let's use Texas Tech for an example because they've always been known to air the ball out. They still throw to the running back. They don't use them. They use them as an extension of the passing game, but they don't just like ignore their presence. Yeah. And I know Arkansas State ran the ball more than a team like a Texas Tech would, but to just not really throw the ball to the entire position seems strange for a team that airs the ball out as much as they do. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. You know, talking about this offense scored 
32.9 points a game last year. Got about 500 yards of total offense a game. About 125 of that per game was rushing. So, you know, talk. let's talk about the offensive line. This is a group that brings back 149 career starts between the four starters that they're returning. They also bring in a Austin P transfer in Robert Holmes and a Kentucky transfer in Nick Lewis. This is this is a group that looks like they can improve from the year before, but one thing that Arkansas State's going to have to do, and who knows, maybe they do this under Butch Jones, running the ball will open up your passing game. <laughs> when your offensive line's best performance in terms of rushing yards last year was 199 yards against Louisiana, I mean, your offensive line's going to have to do better than that if you want to truly open up your passing attack in the Sun Belt. Well, you know, you even look at them from a, a pass blocking perspective. They weren't even great there. I mean, they they allowed 29 sacks last year as a, as a unit. So you can say, you can chalk that up to how often they throw the ball. But still, I mean, even that wasn't great. And then they turned the ball over 16 times. So... I mean, you can you could definitely get better on both of those angles, and you kind of hope that those two transfers you mentioned kind of help bolster that offensive line. Um, you know, they were seventh in the Sun Belt and third down offense. Um, need to get better there. So, I mean, as, as explosive as their offense was last season, there is still room for improvement. I do think what you mentioned, though, about balancing a little bit with the pass and the run is – is what I think this team needs. I, I think it's kind of gone too far in, in the extreme one way. And I think if even you could get it down to like a 60, 40 pass to run ratio, I think that would do wonders for this offense. Yeah. Again, you can't have a successful passing attack without a successful rushing attack because, you know, again, think about it from a defensive standpoint. If you come out and throw the ball play after play, after play, after play, I'm going to put five guys in the box and double team your two best receivers. <laughs> and and then what you, I'm going to make you beat me on the ground. So if you if you have a solid rushing attack to go with that passing attack, what you do is you keep that defense guessing and then that's where you create mismatches and busted coverage. And that's where Arkansas State's big playability can come in. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a ru- I think a rushing attack, a, a balanced attack from this offense is definitely what they're going to need in order to be truly successful uh, this season. You know, t- let's talk about the defense. Can I just add one yeah, last sure, thing about sure. the offense? Uh, so I don't know if we mentioned this. Jamal Jones is gone. Yeah, he's no longer with the team. So. Um, whatever production you had in the running game with him, you're going to have to replace that on top of everything else. Yeah, I mean, so 600 yards, average four yards a carry, three touchdowns last season. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you can figure that out, maybe some of these other guys, you know, you, yeah. know, you can cobble a run game together and, and stop being so predictable. You know, talking about this defense, man, for, for lack of better words, they were horrendous last year. 
37 points per game. They were yeah. horrendous. 37 <laughs> points a game, gave up 470 yards a game. 314 of that was through the air. Um, They gave up six yards a play. And they only so there was sacked. A, on average, there was a, an, an opposing offense had a first down every two plays. Yeah. And, and, and they only sacked opposing quarterbacks 20 times. Brian, that was the lowest their number their defense had seen in seven years. Yeah, they also finished ninth in the conference in pass efficiency defense. So Yeah, that's really bad. I think they were just bad all around. I don't think there I don't even think there was really that much of a bright spot. I hate to say it. Yeah, so I mean <laughs> I would like to talk about some guys that they get back. Um you know, you bring back Elray Alexander, your second leading tackler from last year, Jamario Brown, uh, Antonio Fletcher, CJ Harris. So I mean you've got you've got a lot of guys. You're bringing back nine starters from last year, which you know could actually be a bad thing. But yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It, that you could want that back? could be a bad thing. But you know the optimist that I am, I, I like to think that the experience factor is gonna pay off for them. But I don't know. Well, well, I, I think I think a little bit. If you're an Arkansas State fan, you have to hope that it was a scheme problem, and hope that a new defensive coordinator is gonna come in and see what they could do well, not what they did do well, because they didn't do a lot well, but right. what they could possibly be and and work around that. You know, their new uh, defensive coordinator is Rob Harley, who was the Pittsburgh linebackers coach under Narduzzi. Yeah, he so was gotta, there for the last six years. So, I mean, you have to hope that he picks something up from Narduzzi and he can cobble something together because it, it's kind of the same thing with Georgia State that we have with Arkansas State here. If they could cobble together a middle-of-the-road Sunbelt offense or defense and yep. you paired that with the offense that they have and the the talent through the passing game, I mean, they and, could be pretty good. And, you know, I was just thinking about this. We'll go back to the offense quickly. I was just thinking about Butch Jones being their new head coach. And we we're talking about a balanced attack. I think you're going to see that at Arkansas State because people if if you remember Butch Jones has been an offensive analyst at Alabama for the last 2 years. Alabama <laughs> Alabama you might as well call them ground and pound university. Well, not so much last year. I mean, they they threw the ball a ton with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and Well, yeah, when you guys. when you've got that quarterback and those two receivers, of course you throw the ball way more than you run it. But, you know, when you when you have guys like, you know, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, I mean, obviously Najee was there last year, but... Um, Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Josh um, Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for helping me out. Um, <laughs> I, I hate Alabama, so I don't tend to, to stick to learn names very well. But, you know, you, you have just bruising running backs on, on, on that offense. I think Butch Jones may have learned a thing or two, and... He's going to bring that mentality of run the ball to open up the passing lanes for this offense. I'm actually, as as a Cajuns writer, Arkansas State kind of being one of our rivals, I'm actually very intrigued to watch their season and see the way that they shape up under Butch Jones. And, you know, one thing we didn't talk about is their special teams. Blake Group A might be, or Blake Group, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, Group Group A, however you want to say it. He's... He's the best kicker in the conference. Okay. <laughs> he's 
like, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't I have anything to add to that. Like, if you want to say that he's I mean, the best kicker in the conference, I'm like, fine. That I mean, sounds good to me. I mean, he 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 was 43 of 45 on extra points last year. Yes, he was 11 of 18 on field goals, which is not great. And to to make it to make it even worse, he was two for five in the one to thirty yard range. Um, yeah, it. I think I think two of those came in one. Two of those misses came in one game. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just. So you're really staking your reputation on this kicker, then, huh? I, I am. I am. <laughs> um, and and now I kind of wish I could take my words back. However, the. The year before, I mean, man, he he was in the conversation. What is it? The what, what's the award that goes to the kicker? The Lou Groza Award. Gro- Groza. Yeah, he he was in the com- he was in the conversation for the Groza. So, I think I think Blake bounces back this year. has a has a stellar year. Um, you know, he's a junior. Still has one more year after this one. I don't know, man. I th- I think this might be the most challenge that Louisiana's had for the West. Maybe. Uh, I, Brian doesn't I agree it, with me. Well, I, I'm just like, if your challenge for the West comes down to Arkansas State being able to fix their entire defense. Well, okay, and, and not to not to bash the Western Division, but let's be honest. For the last, I don't know, six years, seven years, it's been us and Arkansas State. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just kind of, hey, we're here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when Georgia Southern entered the conference, like everybody was like, "You have to look out for Arkansas State," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, mean, since then they've been pretty good. Year, he, I mean, they had some really good years, but then like they've kind of fallen off a little bit. Year in and year out, that second, third week in October has decided the Western Division. Um, and you know, I can remember, I can remember, it wasn't, it was twenty nineteen. They came to Lafayette, and that was one of the better Arkansas State teams of years past. And man, it was an absolute slugfest. I think I think we ended up winning fifty to forty three, like just an absolute slugfest of a game. And you know that that's what Cajun fans expect every year when when we play Arkansas State. Just an absolute back and forth. You know, might burn a light or two in the scoreboard kind of game. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how they stack up in the West. You know, looking at their schedule, they open with Central Arkansas, which I mean, Central Arkansas is a respectable Southland team. However, you're you're talking apples and oranges there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our, I, I'll give Arkansas State the win in that one, and then they, we don't. Yeah, we don't have any disagreement there. Yeah, and then they host Memphis on uh, on nine eleven. You know, this was a game they lost last year. Pretty, uh, pretty handedly. Um, you know they they fought for a while, but in the in the fourth quarter, Memphis kind of ran away with it. However, Memphis has kind of taken, I don't want to say kind of, they've taken a huge step back ever since losing Mike Norvell. <laughs> I would put Memphis on upset watch in Jonesboro that weekend. I mean, I think it depends on who has the ball last. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's like if it, we might be looking at a fifty to forty-five final or fifty to forty-two yeah. or something like that. Definitely, I could, I could definitely see a uh, a score line of that nature between those two teams. But you know, the interesting thing is after those two home games, 
three straight games on the road, and it opens in the Pacific Northwest at Washington. Washington wins that game. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing is also these three road games are consecutive weeks, so you have to travel to, like you said, I guess Seattle one week, then you travel, then you travel to Tulsa, Oklahoma the next week, and then Statesboro. So uh, they're going to be using a whole lot of miles. Yeah, get get some rest in between all that traveling y'all are, y'all are about to do because you're about to travel through the entire United States. And in, in those three games, I think Arkansas State wins two of them. I, I think they beat Tulsa, and then I think they beat Georgia Southern. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you're going back home to host Coastal at 4-1. and one. They get two home games against Coastal and Louisiana back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, on, on back-to-back Thursdays with a bye week in between. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> you guys, you know, I'll you tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Prep time. I'll, I'll tell you this. If Arkansas State walks into that game with Coastal Carolina four and one, <clears throat> if I'm Coastal Carolina, I'm incredibly nervous. Yeah, because it's one of those teams. I mean, we have three of these basically in the conference with Troy. Georgia State, Arkansas State, where week to week you have no it's idea what they're going to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, they could show up and score 70, or they could complete score less zero. than 50% of their passes. Right. Yeah, it's you know. It's just like there's no in between. Arkansas State's a game every year that I I get more nervous than normal uh, playing them just because, like you said, you never know what to expect. You never know what team's going to show up. You never know what you have to do from a from a game plan perspective to combat their crazy high-powered offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back to that Coastal Carolina game. Do you think Arkansas State wins that one? I, I hate to say this because you're going to hate to hear it, but I think they have a better shot of beating you guys off of a bye week. Yeah. Uh, uh, at I, agree. Home I agree with you wholeheartedly. Than playing... Uh, I mean, they play Georgia, Southern, Georgia Southern, and Coastal five days apart. Yep. Um. Mean, meanwhile, you're going to spend one of those days traveling, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think they have a better shot. I think there's a real chance that by the Coastal game, they're just tired yeah. <laughs> from all Very, the traveling from from having to play. You know, the first what which, one, two, three, four, five, five consecutive games and traveling them, for three of them, which makes them angry to play us. Yippee! Off of a off of a bye week, right? And and having you know nothing but time to watch you guys play, and then they play. You know, well, l- luckily, luckily we we share a bye week. Luckily, well, you got that then. Yeah, I, we, I might. We, we I both, might we say both that's have the like same by work fifty fifty. Yeah. So you know that we we go to Jonesboro to play Arkansas State. I, I hate picking this game. Again, like I said, you just never know what Arkansas State's going to show up. However, <laughs> I'm going to give us the edge. I th- I think Louisiana goes up to Jonesboro. We've been very fortunate up there the last couple of years, and and I I think that that just continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, man. We'll we'll see Thursday night on ESPN two. I think I think that's going to be a uh, a game that a lot of just general Sunbelt fans have scheduled on their calendar. But you know, the, the one go- thing that the one thing really quick that they have going for them is the three toughest conference games they play are all at home this year. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, Coastal app and Louisiana, they're all at home. Yeah, so if the fans show up and get loud for those, it might pull one of those out. Yeah, and I, I think the most likely victim would be would be the Cajuns. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then after they play Louisiana, they go down to Mobile to play South Alabama. You know, South Alabama is one of those teams that could surprise you. I think they should be on upset watch for that one. They're, uh, they lost. They lost to South Alabama last year. Um, they have to travel, like you said, to Mobile. I if, South if, South might be here, pretty. South might be pretty damn good this year. Also, here's the thing. Yeah. So here's the thing too. If they play you guys and they either win or lose close, I could see the South Alabama game being the trap game. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I, I could see, like, if you guys just rip their heart out at the last second and you win, like, a three-point game, I could see them turning around and losing to South Alabama the next week. I wouldn't be shocked. And that, and that's one thing I love about or the Or nine Sun days game. later, rather. But, yeah, so the next week. That's one thing I absolutely love about the Sun Belts. You just, <laughs> you just never freaking know. Well, that's that's the thing that's so crazy is, like, so few coaches in this conference can keep their guys focused on a week to week basis. Right. Like even Chadwell's only shown the ability to do that one time since he's been in like a coach in this conference. So like, we don't know if last season, right. Was an and, and they're, and they're, and their fans act like they're the greatest things since sliced bread. Have you, have you noticed that they have, they have one. I actually haven't because I don't, I don't oh, really man. see that many coastal their fan fans base. On their fan media. base, and, and I guess we got tied into it after the the canceled championship game. Oh yeah, I could see that. They have one year of success, and you know, I, I saw a coastal fan one time. Obviously, they were joking, but they were like, "Oh, put us in the SEC." Like, dude, you would go zero and twelve in the SEC. <laughs> Vanderbilt go, would be. They go one and eleven. I think they beat Vanderbilt if they're lucky. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I could see I could see you guys getting into it more with them on online than right. we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. They had no reason not to kind of puff their chest out. So I mean, I, I'd be doing the exact same thing if I was in their shoes. Do, I, I'm going to be totally honest. Do do it again, and I'll let you puff your chest out. How about that? I mean, I mean it, it's, I just, be, it's just one if, of those. If, it's just one of those. Georgia things. Southern next year started the year eleven and zero. I would be insufferable. You wouldn't be able to have me on this podcast. It's just, it's just one of those things where I mean, dude, you went from, you went from three straight years below five hundred to eleven and one one year, mm-hmm. and now oh, you're you're the Almighty Jesus Christ in the Sun Belt. Like, yeah, I mean. Props to you. You went eleven and one. You beat a good BYU team. I mean, you you had a great year, but you had one great year. Do it. Do it again, or e- even something remotely close to it, and then I'll give you your props. So then Arkansas State plays App on November sixth. Um. <laughs> I love how he just he said, "All right, moving on." Anyways. Uh. <laughs> There's a there's a chance. So the sun uh, is shining. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, I, I I honestly 
I think that game comes down to we'll know what Chase Bryce is by that point in the season, obviously, because there's only going to be three games remaining. Right. If he is poor, like he was at Duke, Arkansas State wins um, that game. I think Arkansas State wins that game at home. Yeah. But if, if, Chase, then, if Chase Bryce is some world beater, then. Right. Yeah. Then, then I'll give it to Ab. But right. uh and then they have a chance to to end their season. I mean, they potentially could go three and oh or yeah. win their last three games to, to end the year. I mean yeah, absolutely. Georgia State and Arkansas State, I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you can get the over for that game today, I would take it. I don't care what the number is. If if it's eighty six, take it. Because I think that that's a fifty fifty five fifty two final. So, yeah, I mean that game was that game was ridiculous last year. What was it? Fifty nine, fifty two. Good lord! Wasn't I that think, wasn't that the game that Georgia State fired their DC? Yes, like right after the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. It was Arkansas State fired their defensive coordinator after that game, and they won. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Because I remember, so, I remember thinking how crazy it was that they fired a coach after a win. <laughs> but, but I mean, he clearly saw something was wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at this, you know, I think last year we also pounded our ch- or I at least did was like bet the over in that game. Don't think about it. Right. Just run to your local sports book or wherever you need. Run to your bookie. Put the money on the over. Doesn't matter what they could set the number in their head, and you're just like, yeah, sounds good. Right. Um, but, you know, to close out the year, they play ULM. That's a win. Georgia State, that's going to be a toss-up because neither of these teams have played any defense the last couple of years. Uh, so that's another who has the ball last. And then the, the season with Texas State at home, which is a win. That's so, a win. Yeah. Seven so, I mean, five? yeah, I mean, I think they lose to Memphis, Washington, Coastal, Coastal Louisiana apps. Yeah. So, so seven, seven and, and five. five is in the is in the cards for them for sure. Yeah, may, maybe even eight and four if if they get one of those some belt wins. Or you upset Memphis. Or hell, even even Washington. Because I mean, I don't really know what Washington's got. I don't I, keep up with the Pac twelve right. to be totally honest. I don't. I don't know. I know that USC's a disappointment every year, but other right. than that, I don't. I don't they, really they, know. They, they have they have high hopes and then they're just eh. Yeah, but, but other than that, I have no idea. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna close out yet another preview episode of of this Sun Belt season. You know, Brian. Next week we're we're gonna spend time talking about what would it be? South Alabama and Troy. Yes. Yeah, South Alabama and Troy next week. Uh, man, that South Alabama preview is gonna be fun. Yeah, I, that's gonna. Be I fun. feel like I feel like I'm kind of the one. And I mean, we were we did the Sun Belt roundtable where we all kind of gave our yeah. reasonings, and you know, one of the prompts was like, "Give us a sleeper." And the other two, besides you, were like, "Well, I think a good sleeper could be App or something like that." And I'm like, "What, <laughs> guys? It's like South Alabama's right there, and they're a true sleeper. If they won eight games, everyone would be shocked." So, like, stop picking the like top three teams in the conference and being like, well, you got a real sleeping giant over here. And I'm like, right, right. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, on paper, South Alabama is definitely considered a, a sleeper, but you know, they, they've shown a little bit of improvement each year for the last two or three years. 
And now, you know, you get a new young coach in Kane Walmack. You get a, a guy who has SEC experience in Jake Bentley at quarterback. You bring a guy back in Jalen Tolbert from last year. I mean, yeah, this this could be a dangerous, dangerous South Alabama team this year. And I think on the other side for Troy, I think this is kind of going to be a make or break year for Chip Lindsey. For sure. Absolutely. You got to do, do something, man. Absolutely. Here's the thing. Here's, I, and I hate to use this phrase, but I feel like he's kind of wasting Gunnar Watson. Yeah. Because, I mean, Gunnar Watson's a formidable quarterback. Right. And I mean, clearly he's not on the level of what Neil Brown was when well, Neil Brown was running those Troy teams. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, ne- next week's episode will definitely be fun. Hope you guys tune in for it. Brian, before we go, man, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. You can find me on Twitter at Matt, both M's capitalized. Like we said, next week, Troy and South Alabama. We hope you enjoyed this episode as well as the previous one about Georgia Southern. And we will talk to you guys next week. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.